it went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook. So we're talking about that seven-year gap, Craig. Uh, your next win on the tour was the tour championship, which is a big win as well in 1991. It was. Uh, Piners number two. Uh, I barely got in. I got in as number 29, I believe, out of the 30 and ended up finishing second on the money list, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Shows you how, how distorted the money was back then. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was a good event. Uh, stayed at Pine Needles with Pat and Bonnie McGowan. Good, good friends of mine. Always have been. And, and uh Went out and and got going there and and uh, I that was you know from one of the things that did disrupt all this was from eighty eight to eighty eight to like ninety one or two uh, I just I had putting issues and it wasn't the wasn't the yips I didn't have any problem with one or two footers but from that four to ten foot range it just seemed like I could. You know, I'd, I'd get over it and I'd look at it and, you know, I, I couldn't make up my mind. I couldn't decide whether I wanted to miss it left or right. And that doesn't bode too well for making a putt when you know you're going to miss it before you hit it. <laughs> yeah, not for, not very good. No, and, uh, you know, I hung in there at Pinehurst and, and was tied with Russ Cochran going into 18. He'd already finished. And I drove it the right rough, and I chopped it out about 10 yards short of the green or so. Chipped it up, left my chip about seven, eight feet short. And I was lining it up, and here we go again, same thing. And I just I looked at it, and I said, you know what? God, just, and I'm talking to myself while I'm looking at the putt. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, just don't, don't give this to this guy on a silver platter. Come on. And got over it it. and just cold cocked it dead center. And I actually, under my breath, I said, how in the world did you do that? I mean, I really expected to miss it. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, we went out and we had a playoff on 16. We both hit the green in two, two putter for birdies. And then 17, uh, (laughs) I don't know, Mike, if you watch that little replay anywhere, but I hit first, I hit about 15 feet, and Russ got up, and right at the top of the backswing, somebody went boom on the bleachers behind the tee. They just Remember that. were walking down and hit it too hard, and he laid the sod over at about 20 yards short of the green. Um, and then he chipped it about, hit a great little third, little second shot, chipped it about four feet past the hole. And uh, I went ahead, uh, 15 to 20 feet was no problem for me. It was just that six to eight feet range, but I went ahead and cold cocked it from 15 feet. And uh, so that one, that one was history. But uh, again, what a, what a, another, I would call it a feather in your cap winning it, winning it, Piners number two, as well as Riviera, you know, congressional stuff like that. It just classic, classic old famous golf courses. Bruce, I, I remember you making this comment about Dave Stockton when we talked to him about the classic venues that he was able to win tournaments at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, – well, Craig's got, Craig had a pretty good history of uh, winning on some great golf courses. No doubt about that. Torrey Pines and Riviera. I was fortunate, very fortunate. Well, 
the one interesting part about the whole thing is if you look at it, the reason why he won so many times is because he was a damn good player. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> I was. We all were at times, put it that way. Uh, you know, it, sometimes or most times were a lot harder than the others. I always, I always love to say, you know, golf is golf is a pretty amazing game when and when you can and to explain in total layman's terms to people that have no idea how hard it might be. Uh, if you can go a couple majors, 35 wins and 1100 losses, you're in the hall of fame. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, uh, you were able to win the Buick invitational, uh, at Torrey Pines. Uh, did you play Torrey a lot growing up? I did. I played my high, all my high school golf there. Yep. And I uh, just love the place. Absolutely love the place, but. That was obviously that in LA both were very, very special wins for me. Uh, growing up in San Diego, going to school in LA, living in LA for quite a while. Uh, really, I was, I was as proud of those wins as I was anywhere else because it's, it's hard to win at home. It really is. And, uh, you know, San Diego was, was fortunate. Uh, beat Steve Lowry there, who just kind of, hit two shots on 15 and 16 that he shouldn't have. But uh, laid it up on 18 Sunday, the front left pin, and hit it about a foot behind the hole and had one shot lead. And I just, I was, I was probably two feet behind the hole, left it short. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I didn't, I could care, I'd have cared less about missing it. I just, you know, if you put anything on it that's a little too much, you could yeah. end up down in the water. I just kind of waffled down the trickle down about three inches short and tapped it in. But, uh, you know, that was, that was a, a really, really nice win. And then Riviera two years later was awesome as well, which, uh, one of my all time favorite golf courses, just loved playing. It ranks high with everybody, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it really does. It always has. And, uh, I don't think it's honestly, I don't think it's a good, as good a golf course of what they did to, to number eight with a split fairway yeah. right now, but yeah. uh, still it's, it's always been one of my favorites. And I say living in LA for that long, uh, I actually finished, actually finished third there when I was in college oh back my. in, back in 74 huh. or something. I think, uh, really it was either the year Stockton one or the year that Pat Fitzsimons won. I finished third or fourth as an amateur. And, uh, <laughs> The, pin, the only thing I remember is the pin was back left on 18. I hit driver in the driver, driver, straight into oh, the was coming the other way. On the front right, I was about 60 feet from the hole, and I dunked it. <laughs> oh, hello. The striped shirt, the bucket hat, the, the plaid seersucker pants looked like something out of, you know, Caddyshack and Roddy Dangerfield or something, but <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was always a great guy. I love playing there. That and back then they back in the seventies uh, they had a qualifying at Hillcrest Country Club for the amateurs every year. They gave away they had you qualify for three amateur spots, which was very cool. Mm. You beat some good guys there that year. You won at at Riviera. Was that Stock Stockton win that year? 
Couples. In 96, uh, when you won, you beat uh, Mark Brooks, Fred Couples, Scott Simpson, and Mark Wiebe. Yeah. Fred Couples was two shots back going in 18, I think, and he he melted like a seven iron right over the left edge. Like, God, really? That kind of brought back <laughs> memories of the hope with Pertzer. Like, I know he's going to make it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Scott hit, a real, Scott hit a really nice butt that didn't go in. He had a chance to tie, too. But I got, yeah, I got to watch all four of those guys come in, standing up top behind the green there. It was a little nerve-wracking, but it all worked out. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Panda and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? Bruce, why don't you uh, take us home with the uh, the BC Open? Yeah, I, last, uh, last victory in uh, 2003, and that was a very, very interesting year from one Mr. Craig Stadler. <laughs> Uh, not too many people win on the regular tour and the senior tour. You you actually won a couple of weeks uh, prior when you won on the Champions Tour before winning at the BC Open. And I might say that in the final round at the BC Open, you shot 63 and you came from eight shots back. Yeah. I'd, uh, yeah, the week before or two weeks before, I won at Detroit. In the, in the senior players beat... Uh, Beat Watson playing two from the hill on Sunday. Actually, somewhat handily, I think I won by three. But uh, you know, I, I as I alluded to earlier, when I won the the World Series in '92, it took me through 2002, and I turned 50 in June of '03. So I I uh, took my career top 50 for the first half of '03, and just played horrid. And I end up, I end up, I I won't admit it, but it, I was hurt a little bit, but I probably could have played, but I withdrew the second day at Hilton Head because I was just playing so bad. And I didn't play again until uh, the senior PGA. It was my first week as a, as a 50-year-old. So I I took two months off and just said, you know, I'm just going to wait till I get out there and new venues and new courses I haven't played before and get back the old guys I used to you know, occasionally beat up on when I was on tour, which kind of gives you a little confidence. But, yeah. uh, I mean, I was just rotten. I never made a cut on the West Coast. I played probably eight events and, and missed cutting every single one of them badly. It was just horrible. And uh, I got back to Ronimick and and teed off there. I uh, was standing on the putting green on Thursday. Tee time was 10-10. I got there about 5 till 10, and I was putting under umbrellas, just downpour. And there's a marshal sitting on the tee or on the green putting green, which if you've been to Ronovic, the putting green's up above and it's like 25 feet above the first tee. It's right there. 
But everybody's got the umbrellas up and whatever, what have you. And it's not a very big putting green. I was just sitting there hitting six and eight footers. My cousin George was caddying for me because Dolphy was sick. And he's holding the umbrella over me, and I'm just hitting putts. There's a marshal standing five feet from me the whole time. And, you know, it's raining pretty good. You, you could hear the, the metal of the metal wood going off the first tee. And uh, about a minute and a half later, Marshall standing there. He said, Mr. Stadley, your group just teed off. I said, excuse me? He said, they just teed off. They're walking down, walking down the cart path towards the first fairway. Like, <laughs> my first thought was, why didn't you tell me that five minutes ago? He said, they're sitting there watching me fight. Yeah. So, obviously, now i got plenty of time to get down there and tee off with a two-shot penalty, and that's a nice way to start your new career. But uh, I ended up finishing fifth there, and I, I, hadn't, I hadn't made a cut in, you know, eight months. And, uh, like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I knew new mindset, new venues, back to the same old guys. Maybe I can do this again. And actually, John Jacobs won that week, which was pretty cool. It was good to see him win. Wow. But, yeah, a couple weeks later at uh, Ford Players, and then two weeks later at the BC Open, uh, Alex Alexander used to run the BC Open. Back in uh, the end of April, uh, I just I called him, and Kevin had just turned pro a little bit ago, my oldest son, and I got him on the phone. I said, so I got a dumb question for you, because I had I'd played the BC Open a lot. And as you know, they never had a title sponsor. Uh, it was all local. But... Um, you know, I I supported them quite a bit. I love the tournament, love the course, love the people. Just friendliest place in the world. But uh, I called Alex and I said, "So I got a dumb question for you. Would you would you, would you have any interest in entertaining giving Kevin a spot in the in the in your tournament this year?" He goes, "Yeah, we can do that." I said, "That'd be awesome. That would be awesome." And they gave him a spot. And uh, so, you know, that was great. And he, he was going to play there, and then he was going to try to Monday qualify at Hartford the next week. And in the meantime, I was going to go play the uh, Senior Open at Turnberry uh, the week after Endicott, which I was just going to fly there, you know, probably five days before and just run around, maybe play Western Gales or Troon or a couple little places before and, and it got around to like mid June, and and uh, my caddy Dolphy called me. He says, "You're not you're not going to Endicott, right?" I said, "No." It's all right because I'm going to caddy for Calcavecchia over in uh, the British Open at at uh, um, St George. I said, "Absolutely, go on." You know, I'm just I'll come over on probably Saturday and whatever. And then about a week later, I'm just sitting there at home and have this little fleeting thought like you know they're giving him a spot i should i should probably go play just because they gave him a spot so dolphy called again about something i said yeah i'm gonna go play in the cup but just just go over there. you know I've, i haven't played with the dam there in 10 years and you know don't worry about it go have fun with calc and i'll see you at turnberry so we got there well we, before we got there about a week this is actually a pretty good little story uh I'll embarrass him if he ever hears this, but that's okay. But uh, <laughs> about a week before 
Now I need a caddy. So I called my youngest son, Chris, who does not play golf. And he was living up in Fort Collins. He said, hey, what's going on? I said, I don't know. What are you doing in like in a week and a half? No. Why? I said, you want to come caddy for me back in New York at the BC Open? And there was a pause on the phone, and all I heard on the other end was, why? <laughs> like, well, I need a caddy. Dolphy's caddying in, in, uh, you know, down in Dover at St. George's, and I need some caddy for me. And again, a little pause. He's like, are you going to pay me? I said, yeah, I'll pay the same thing I played off. He said, what's that? I said, depends how I play. Okay. I said, you'll make, you'll make 1200 bucks at least. He's like, oh. yeah, dad, I'll be yeah. there. Well, no, no, that didn't come yet either. <laughs> no. And he's like, so are you going to pay for my, my plane ticket? I'm like, yeah, actually you can come to Boston. Cause we're, uh, I think we were going to the Eagles concert fleet center. And I said, you come to Boston, and then we'll just fly in private from there into Endicott when I was zipping around on a citation. And uh, Sold. He's like, so you are going to pay me? Yes. And you are going to pay for my plane ticket? Yes. He says, I don't know how to caddy. I said, it's not rocket science. He's like, <laughs> Carry the yeah, bag. he's like, okay. So anyway, he shows up. We, uh, we're starting, we fly in Tuesday night late after the concert, and we're off Wednesday noontime on, on 10, a little tiny par four at Endicott. So he's out there, and you know, we walk off the tee, and he's carrying the bag like this, you know, just the hand through the loop, not over the shoulder. <laughs> I just stopped, and I said, hey, stand the bag up, put it on your shoulder. He said, why do I have to do that? I said, just the way you do it. It's just, it's like, a, it's like kind of just, just pretend like this is like professional stuff out here. <laughs> he's like it's not very comfortable Funny. Said, tough so anyway we go down and we hit our second shots of 10 one of my amateurs flails it over right of the bunker in the rough we're over there looking for it and I'm wandering around I look up and I, I just went Chris he goes what I said grab the bag man he laid the, laid the, God, laid the tour bag right smack in the middle of the green I'm not kidding oh. <laughs> I'm like what are you doing he goes, what do you mean, what am I doing? You don't put it in the green. You put it in the long grass over there or the fringe or somewhere. And he's like, why? I said, don't ask why. You just do it. Never put it down on the green. <laughs> so that was that was Wednesday, Thursday, playing with a mirror and somebody else in the fourth hole. It's part three. It's kind of, kind of an hourglass green and pins in the front middle. And O'Meara hits his on the fringe, pin high right, about 25 feet. I was past all. I walked back there. I turned around. Here it comes. Boom, 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 boom. He gets right smack between O'Meara and the pin. Pin high, both of them. <laughs> I said, stop, stop, stop. He's like, what? I said, he does this dance. I'm like, oh, my God. I said, what? I said, you're right in this line. Whose line? I said, Mark, right there. And O'Meara's sitting there like, what in the hell is this kid doing? <laughs> And goes, no, I'm not. He's down on the green. I said, it doesn't matter. He's going to putt right where you're standing. Just back up. Just back up. Don't come forward anymore. So that was the next day. 
anyway, we go out on we go out on Sunday and and uh, we come around to seventeen and and I've just chipped in three times. I made a couple bombs and whatever, what have you. And all of a sudden, I've got like a one shot lead on seventeen. The leaders are back on eight and nine still. I was hour and a half ahead of them. And uh, fanned an iron in the right bunker, came out about six feet and missed the putt. And he's standing there, you know, with the bag upright, hand in the bag. And I came out as you to do, walking on just <clears throat> into the bag with the putter. And, you know, he got his hand out just in time. And uh, I came up looking and just hot. I turned around. He's like right here in my face. I'm like, no, I said, what? He says, what in the hell is your problem? I said, well, it wasn't the most opportune time to make a bogey, dude. He goes, you birdied 18 yesterday, just birdie 18 again today. See what happens. I'm like, <laughs> I just kind of laugh like. <laughs> He's right. Well, exactly. You know, I, I would have gone up the cart path. Dolphy would have gone around the thing to the 18th. He got up there. I'd have. I'd have Flailed a driver in the right trees, chipped out, you know, maybe hit in there 10 feet, made it for par, and finished tied for second or third. And Yeah, pretty awesome week for an old man, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I just kind of chuckled and walked up there and drove it right in the middle of the fairway, hit a wedge about six feet right of the hole and made that one. And and uh, so you've been, have you been to Endicott? I'm sure you have. Yeah, uh-huh. No TVs there. There's no clubhouse. There's no nothing. It's just a public golf course. And so I was on the cell phone with Kevin. He was back in Hartford. He's watching it on TV. We got no TVs there. So he's saying, ah, you know, I still had a, I still had a one-shot lead with like 40 minutes to go. And uh, Alex Chucka made a birdie somewhere, so we were tied. He was on 18th tee. And I'm just sitting there on the phone, you know. he's Well, he's, he's taking out driver. Like, all right. He goes, no, actually, he's hitting three wood. He's posing on it because he's watching the TV. And he's posing on it. He says, oh, my God, he hit it in the freaking water. <laughs> Those pawns had left over there. I really dropped it, hit it 20 feet, and then missed it. And, and I'm just sitting there like, how did that happen? And uh, Chris was there, and I put the phone down. I said, dude, just one. It was how much am I getting paid? <laughs> the, old, the first thing came out of his mouth. How much am I getting paid? I said, well, unless you don't, unless it's too much for you, you're getting a check for like $58,000. And he looked at me, he goes, excuse me? What? Not any more than that. He goes, oh, no, that's just fine. But uh, <laughs> no, how things turn out and how they work, it was just, it was phenomenal. But, uh, you know, Two tournaments in a row, a 50-year-old tournament and a regular event was, was very Pretty cool. fancy. Very cool. It was uh, something that I'm uh, not, not real proud of a whole lot of things that I've done in my career, but that one was, that one, was one of them especially. But uh, just fun stuff. And I've been very fortunate to just have a lot of fun with, with you know, youngest on the bag there, that just a lot of things that Kevin and I had done together that are just really special. We both won the world junior, the only father, son, Augusta to ever play together. We both won on the same day. I won in Boston. He won in Erie and just, just all kinds of yeah. stuff like that. That's happened. It's been very cool. Very cool. What a, what a great story. My, 
my cheeks are hurting from just listening to that story. That was such a good story. <laughs> the, the, the best part of the whole thing, you want a caddy for me back in New York? Why? <laughs> like, you're going you're to go miss a cut by 10. What do I want to be part of that for? Oh, my, my. <laughs> so I lured him in with a 1,200. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. I thought maybe the Eagles concert would sell him. No, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> it was a good one, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we can just briefly touch on uh, some of the majors. We've kind of covered the, the Masters. You're going back this year for, I guess, what would be your 40th Masters dinner. Does it seem like that long? Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, you know, I've, I've always, for some reason, I've always thought that the 70s were a million years ago, but the 80s just weren't that long ago. But, uh, yeah, look at my lack of hair and what's there is white. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> but it's, I, I so much look forward to that tournament every year. And I haven't played since 14, which, you know, I just hounded my oldest son for about four years to win a tournament. And he finally got on me like, what do you keep saying that for? I says, because you'll get in Augusta, it'll be your first, and I'm tired of shooting 80 there, and it'll be my last. So get it done sooner than later, would you please? And when he won Phoenix, it's just like, yeah, finally. But uh, I still, I love going back every year. I'll go back this year and usually get there on Sunday or some Monday and come back on Saturday, something like that, Sunday, watch the final on, the, on Sunday on TV. But uh, yeah. Just uh, wonderful times. Tuesday night's incredible. It's just such a cool dinner to be a part of. So just so lucky to have that happen in your life. And and Wednesday night, I go to the members' cocktail party, which is just no no pros ever go. Never used to. And uh, when I got we got there in 2010 or 2009, it was the first tournament that my wife Jan had been to. And got the packet, went to the house and, and, um, you know, she was there and going through all this stuff. She says, what's the Wednesday night cocktail party? I said, I have no idea. Well, you're invited. I said, I've never even heard of it. She says, don't you read the stuff in your packet? I said, no, I just get the badges out and the tickets <laughs> and whatever. And we go from there, give them out and off we go. She said, what's Wednesday night of the Oak tree? And I want to go like, Okay. And it's been one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done there. And the coolest thing is, you know, it's a, it's all the officials from RNA and USGA and Japan and South America and Aussie and wherever else. And then uh, a selected probably 50 to 60 couples that are members. And I have met so many people that night now that we've, we had gone for, we went for probably six years in a row or seven years in a row. But uh, the one thing I will say, everybody, all you guys, people, guys, girls out there listening, you know, Augusta has got this reputation of being so secret, so stuffy. Everybody's got their noses up here. And, and I will tell you, it is, it is the best, most enjoyable set of members at a private club I think I've ever been around. I mean, top to bottom, the guys that are mid nineties, the guys that are in their forties, they're just, uh, just quality, quality people. And, you know, some of them are just work 
24-7. Some of them have more money than God, but you would never know anything about any of them. They're just wonderful, friendliest people I've ever been around. You probably wouldn't trade that master's win for anything, would you? Mm, can't think of anything right off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on your Ryder Cup experience for just a couple of minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you were competing back at a time when the Ryder Cup was really changing. Uh, Tony Jacklin came in as a, as a captain a number of years and really uh, helped the Europeans step up their game course uh, just before 83, your first one. I think uh, they were just had let the European uh, continent players play, but the tide was starting to change. And your first Ryder Cup in 83 was sort of the beginning of that with Lanny stuffing that last shot, but it was a pretty good competition out of PGA National. It was, it was, uh, hotter than Jesus that week. God, it was hot. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's a, uh, the Ryder Cup holds a really, really special place in my heart. It always has. Uh, as the Walker Cup does, you know, going out there and, and putting your colors on and playing for your country. It's just, uh, it, was, it was one of the more special things I've ever done. But uh, fortunately, I was, uh, fortunately, I made it on two of them. Uh, there were two of them I didn't make it on because I had one in the fall and the fall after the Ryder cup between there until the end of the year, you didn't get any points for any events until like the mid nineties. And, uh, so I, I probably definitely would have made it in 91, 91 or two, whenever after the tour championship, but I got no points for that. But, uh, you know, fortunate enough to play in two and, and uh, had an okay record. I, I did get Woozy's number in the singles both times, which he wasn't real happy about, but uh, I enjoyed beating him. <laughs> but, you know, we, we had so many rookies on the team at Belfry. There were probably, I don't know, seven of them, maybe six at least. Jacobson and Annie North and you know, whoever would add Curtis maybe. Uh, but, uh, and they struggled a bit. Hal Sutton, Hal Sutton, I played with the first day, altered shot, and I drove it down on two. And that's the, the green solo, and it's got that big high bunker on the right. And, uh, I drove it left side of the fairway, and he found it in the right in that bunker, and everybody started screaming and applauding for him. And he looked at me with this, this look in his eye like, are they clapping for me? I said, yeah, get used to it, dude. It's going to happen. <laughs> he said, why would they do that? And just real serious, I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, oh my, this is not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> and he, it took him, it took him six holes to quasi get over it. He just couldn't believe that you'd fan a shot off in a bunker and they'd, they'd plod and scream and yell and carry on for it. But uh, it took him a long time to get over that one. But uh, you know, it was it was a fun. We got we got pretty much everything handed us to us there at the Belfry, which kind of started their role a little bit, as you said. But yeah. um, two just phenomenal experiences in my life. Lanny describes the '83 Ryder Cup as his favorite, and he was uh, referring more to the off the course activities. You know Jack Nicholas captaining and and all the you know the 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 events you had at Jack's home. You had dinner there, I think. A nice party after the win, where people got a little wound up. Oh, the party after was phenomenal. 
But uh, I tell you, I will say one thing. Jack, as a captain, was phenomenal. He's, he had a Cushman card. He had shirts in it because it was, it was like, say, 95 degrees and 98% humidity. Just miserable, sweaty days. But uh, he was running around with waters and towels and new clothes and whatever. And I mean, there had to be, I thought there were like three of them there. He had two twins somewhere because he was everywhere. And he didn't stop. I mean, like <laughs> Energizer Buddy just kept going here, 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 here. And he was, he was amazing totally into it and Lanny and I got paired together a couple times uh in best ball and all shot and uh you know we we played a lot of that together we played shark shootout maybe five or six times together and uh you know kind of a kind of a mutt and jeff pairing really when you think about it yeah uh, <laughs> and the times we played the shark shootout at Sherwood it was it was fairly trying because Two years in a row, it was, and we were both getting older, but uh, two years in a row, really wet at Sherwood. And he'd get up and, you know, we'd be playing Alnard shot the one time, and he'd get up and hit this little dive bomber that, you know, flew like 205, and it plugged. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing to me? Please get this thing in the air. And we, we, had, we had a really good banner together. It, uh, it, was, it was fun times, a lot of fun times. Quickly on the on the senior tour, you you you, uh, you joined the senior tour at age fifty, and uh, you're the leading money winner. That was probably your second year out, two thousand four. Yeah, three and four were three and four were, were really fun. I mean, I uh, I think I won eight times in three and four out of my nine. And the next one came when I was sixty. <laughs> but uh, you had a habit of doing that, sir. You had yeah. a habit of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and that that one was pretty special too but uh yeah it just i i got so comfortable out there right out of the box and i said i played so just horrifically bad the first half of of 03 and then again i just i got a couple things done and just felt comfortable winning again and and uh you know i i got a lot accomplished in those two years and then another nine-year hiatus for some reason or 10 years Amazing. almost. And then, uh, you know, showed up at, uh, at, uh, North Shore Country Club and, uh, played a practice round on Tuesday, on Tuesday and played the program or practice round on Wednesday and the program on Thursday and just really felt comfortable in the golf course. I love the golf course. And, uh, you know, I, I went out and got built a nice little lead on Sunday, and then I started just leaking oil coming in with the putter. Uh, I had a, a four-shot lead, I think, and came down to 18 with a one-shot lead. Drove it in the fairway, and and a one-shot lead over couples, and drove it in the fairway, and I walked up, and I saw him over the range hitting balls. And and uh, my second shot, I found it in the right bunker, really deep bunker, and just didn't have much of a shot, but a really nice shot out there about 12 feet past the hole. And, and all the putts, I'd missed like four putts coming in on the back nine and just shoved every one of them. So it was, it was I actually, while I was waiting for Sluman to putt and whoever else we played with, uh, I actually had the little learn-by-your-mistakes moment because I had about 12 feet to make it to win, and it was a left-edge putt. And I just said, well, you know what? 
I aimed it about a half an inch outside the left, and I pushed it just a little bit, and it, it just center cut. And it was just, it was one of the coolest wins ever. Um, you know, and, and I say, you talk about being fortunate, you know, I, I want to, want to tour event in my twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties. <laughs> Pretty so, fancy. Yeah. Pretty fancy. Very, 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 very cool. Yeah. Very, very fortunate. Absolutely. But it just shows you what you can do with golf, how you can play. Yeah, Bruce, there's a couple of questions we generally like to ask our guests. You want to start? Yeah, so, Stads, if you if you could take a shot over today, where would it be? Hmm. Take a shot over today. You get to replay one yeah, shot. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh I don't know. Um, I don't think there's any one shot that. Well, there is. I would. I would take a putt at Hawaii, uh, about a twelve footer that I just melted over the edge to win, and then I got in a five hole playoff with Paven. And would have been would have been nice to get that one down. So I always loved the Hawaiian Open. I always played well there, but never won there, and uh, that would have been really nice. And Mike, you have one? Sure, Craig. If you knew at age 20 what you know now, what would you have done differently? Uh, I probably wouldn't have done much differently, but uh, the only thing that I absolutely do not regret at all, but it probably would have, was probably fairly important to my career which most likely will probably be why i will not get in the hall of fame but my number one priority was never golf it was always family and the kids and you know that that cut a lot of practice a lot of work time out of my out of my regiment in the late 80s early 90s and if i could have figured out how to do those two things a little more efficiently uh, probably would have helped because, you know, in, in my mind, I knew how to win and I had a lot of chances that I probably could have, or maybe should have, but didn't. But, uh, I think if I, I might've somehow been able to put a little more importance on golf and practice and just get everything honed better than I did, you know, just like we explained about Tucson, I, I didn't play golf for 40 days before I went over and practiced for two days and then one by three. I mean, how does that happen? Yeah. I mean, that's Bruce Lisky's twin right there. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I, I don't regret it because I did, I did everything the way I wanted to do it. But, uh, oh, I did take a lot of time off, especially later in my career. I, I hardly ever played more than 20 events because I had, I, to my, I wanted to spend time with the family. They weren't coming out and, I hated traveling. I hated being alone out in the road, but you know, you're really not because you're out having dinner with your buddies and seeing them all the next five days in the golf course. But if I could have figured that out a little better, a little better program for that, that probably is the one thing I regret that I know now. I've known it for quite a while, but I didn't really know it back then. Well, we've learned a lot about 
Craig Stadler today. And Craig, we want to we want to say thank you so much for for all your time today. It's been a it's been a joy having you with us as a guest on For Good of the Game, and uh, uh, we wish you all the best in uh, in everything you plan to do in the future. Well, I'll tell you, I've thoroughly enjoyed the time with you guys and uh, fun stuff. Yeah. Something that you can start doing at age four and you still do at age 70 and make a living out of it. I mean, how fortunate are we anyway? And you know that as well as I do. So it's been great spending yeah. time with you guys and uh, good luck on your next hundred or however many you got coming up. <laughs> Thanks All a right, lot, guys. buddy. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway, it went smack down the fairway. And it started to slice just a smidge off line It headed for two, but it bounced off nine My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay Yes, it went straight down the middle, quite a way